And the rest of us are going to turn. I'm going to have you just stay in that First Samuel passage, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to kind of be um, through various parts of Scripture today as uh, we have a little bit of a topical approach to what we're looking at out of Scripture. And as we do so this morning, let's pray that the Lord would open our eyes to what He has for us concerning uh, the sanctity and the privilege um, and the challenge of being a mother. Father, we come to You seeking wisdom, seeking comfort. Lord, I would be foolish not to know that there are those here today that that feel blessed, that are new mothers. Just like Imelda, just like Shannon. There are those that are mothers who have seen generations. Maybe great-grandmothers, maybe grandmothers that are here. And sometimes, Father, just like how You walked, just how You wept over Jerusalem, Lord, the burdens of our children and the world and the challenges of the world can seem so overwhelming. I pray for those mothers today that You give them peace in the midst of the storm. Let them trust You just like Mary had to trust. Father, there are those that cherish their time with mothers that are, are no longer here. There are those that cherish the days with mothers that might be bygone because of being estranged or difficulty. Father, I pray in spite of all those challenges that we are able to acknowledge, to see, to celebrate what You have granted, what You have gifted. And that, Father, we would seek as an extension of our gathering today to edify to encourage, to lift up, to find the good, to be inspirational about this beautiful institution of motherhood. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, the cat's out of the bag. We're going to be speaking about um, matriarchs today. So that is like the instant... Uh, trigger mechanism for all the men in the room to tune out, right? Men, can I just encourage you? I'm throwing you a couple bones here today. Run with those. It will work out really well for you if you do this, both spiritually, but in case you didn't notice, Father's Day follows Mother's Day. You know what I mean. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page with this. So let's start with uh, a, a passage of Scripture. You see the Proverbs 31 passage here. It's a standard. You know, there's no special passage, unique passage set aside to that which Hallmark has deemed as a national holiday. This is one of the reasons that I bristle about doing these things is now I have to preach a 4th of July message. Now I have to preach a Labor Day message. Now I have to preach a veterans message. Right? I have, you know, so... Those whole hallmark things, I really, and so I've spent seven years not speaking to it, 
But yet the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and said, you know what? I think right now is a good time. Under one takeaway today. One takeaway. Edification. This is part of who we are as the body of Christ. You're going to see multiple individuals from the narratives of Scripture that we're going to open up today and we're going to look at. And some are going to be those that brushed up against Jesus. And you're going to, you're going to see Jesus' approach to these different matriarchs. And what I want us to learn today, what I learned in doing the study today, is pretty simple. And that is to recognize those who carry huge burdens and to come alongside them and to encourage them and to applaud them. Today just happens to be mothers. Alright? So let's look at a couple scriptures today as we do so. Um, you know, if you're, if you're under the age of whatever... By the way, that was not a typo. I was trying to throw you a good joke, Victoria. If you're over the age of 15, come to the senior luncheon. I really wanted to scare Mary Lou half to death and, and like have 70 people at the, uh, at the senior luncheon have her come up to me after service. What are you thinking? It's Mother's Day. I just want everybody to be happy. Ephesians 6.2 If you're a child, raise your hand. Yes. Okay, don't... No, we're not speaking in your attitude or your maturation, okay? We're speaking if you have, and that should be everybody in the room. You have parents. Hopefully, you understand that. This is a problematic verse, Ephesians 6. But it says, honor your father and mother. And this is the first commandment with what? A promise. So, I am 50 years old. And I, I still have a father and I have a mother-in-law. And let me just tell you, uh, St. Nancy, as we refer to her, um, St. Nancy, if she told me to run through a brick wall, I would do it at least one time in, in, in an effort. You know, because of just who she is and how much she means to not just me, but our, our, our whole family. But for some of us, maybe there are those challenges that, that mom doesn't command that respect because mom just struggled. That would be another one of my moms, right? My biological mom, who just had no ability, no capacity, as I've been told, to be a good mom. She just didn't know how to do that. So I probably wouldn't run through a wall for her. So what does this mean? It means this. It's easy for me to get up here and say wonderful things about Nancy, my mother-in-law. But for Margot, my, my biological mom, I don't really know her, and that's not really something that comes easy, but I could get up and just say really perfunctory, cold things, and yet I choose to what? Whenever I speak of her, I always try to frame the life that she had, she was subject to that life. You see what I'm saying? That's what it means to honor. It doesn't mean that I make up things to try to be nice. It's the reality of the reality. But it's to understand and to try not to besmirch or um, tear apart someone in their character unnecessarily. So even at age 51, 
I can practice this verse. All of us can. All of us can. Honor your father and mother. And then the promise is one that God will give you long life. And that's a whole other message. So let's move to the second one. Luke 2, 19. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is another verse I want you to walk away with today. We're going to be in Luke 2 a little bit later in just a few minutes, and we're going to see within a span of several years, I, I, I lost track of the timeline, from the point where the shepherds are in the manger with her, and, and then, sorry, several days, several days, uh, to the point where um, the dedication at the temple, and then, yes, several years later, when uh, he's teaching at the temple and he's left mom and dad and they're in a panic, right? Both times you see where the narrative says this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Moms, when your kid disappears on a road trip and it's not for a few hours that you realize you you have no idea where your 10, 11, 12-year-old is, and then you go back and you find them a few days later, and they just arbitrarily wandered off, you're probably not going to come with a sweet tone of voice, are you? Right? And Mary didn't. You'll see it in a little bit. She comes in and says, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Am I shugging up? Right? And Jesus just simply says, I have to be about my father's business. Can I just encourage you, when you're in that moment, try to find something really profound to say. Because suddenly, mom flipped on a dime. And she saw the bigger picture. Can I encourage you, in the midst of all the challenges you face, mothers, with parenting, see the bigger picture. And when those moments happen that are golden, like some of the moments we'll see here, treasure them up in your heart treasure them in your heart. Let's look this morning at a a real quick breakdown. We're talking about matriarchs worthy of honor. So Jesus is honoring towards mothers. Jesus is honoring towards mothers. And we're going to look at a a passage that I I have to be very transparent with you. Uh, I I had really truly forgotten um, about this miracle that Jesus uh, practiced and, and committed um, and blessed with as he's as he's walking through um, in his ministry he's in a town called Nain and this town is just north of Samaria it's just a little bit east of the of the Jezreel Valley a um, little bit south of, of Nazareth and he's just he's just kind of moving through and he comes on a funeral procession this is fascinating It says, soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So this is a woman and and her son. Her son has passed. They're at the funeral, and Jesus meets them at the gate. This is the hub of the city. This is the most important place of the city. And He comes upon this scene. And it seems as if a majority of the town has gathered 
because of this event. And when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Can I just encourage you? I've heard a lot in studying uh, counseling techniques, reading a lot of books, and so much of the time, you'll read from people that were struggling with cancer or the death of a loved one or whatever it would be, and they say the worst thing you could ever say to somebody is, it's going to be okay. Right? They should have told Jesus that. Can I just encourage you, in those moments, just pray. And you say what the Holy Spirit tells you, but understand what the Lord is saying here. Go back. Right before He says, do not weep, what, what does the narrative say? It says that He had compassion. Some people just say things because they don't know what to do. In that case, zip it. Just be there. Mourn with those who mourn, right? But it says Jesus had compassion. And then He says the worst thing you ever would say at a funeral. Stop crying. Get a hold of yourself, lady. It's her only son. Can you imagine being one of the town folk? And this stranger walks up and he just walks up and addresses her. First of all, who are you to address this person in our town? And then he just tells her, uh, stop weeping. Just stop weeping. You know why he could say that? Because something great was around the corner. Something great was around the corner. And it says this, Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. Now let me paint you a picture. Often in church, we are used to protocols. We're used to dressing a certain way. We're used to standing during singing or kneeling during prayer maybe. We don't do that here because, you know, we never get back up off the floor. We're so not used to it. One of the things that we just don't do is have the pastor come down off the stage. This is breaking the covenant. Okay? The covenant of preaching and comfort for you guys. Jesus, a Jew. Jesus, the one who what? Is coming as Messiah. The one who is changing all things as a Jew, steps up to the funeral buyer. That's the, that's the part that they carry the body on, right? Like our coffin, but it would be open. And what did he do? He touched it. And, he, and he's basically saying, stop. Stop. Do you know what that is saying as a Jew? Do you know how far Jesus was going? So he stops the woman. He says, don't cry. Who are you? And now as, as a Jewish man whose reputation is already out there, he steps up and does the unfathomable. This is how far he's willing to go because of his what? Compassion. How far is Jesus willing to go for you? What is so insurmountable? How far is Jesus willing to go for you? And then let's see what happens here. I'm getting a little too involved in the story. Sorry, I love the story. 
Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. And so what happened is he says, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And then the crowd said, everybody gather stones. He's a Jewish man who touched the buyer. No, no, that's the religious leaders that say that over and over and over and keep ignoring who Jesus is and the power and the glory of God. You see, these folks just experienced the power and the glory of God that went way far beyond what they thought could happen. All because Jesus happened to walk through a little unknown town and He saw a mother weeping. Moms, if you find yourself weeping, remember this story. I don't know what the end will be for your story, but you need to remember this Jesus pays attention to weeping moms. Amen? How about a stressed mom? Any stressed moms? Laughter is a stress relief. Yes, that's good. So this is a different story. This is a stressed mother, and this is the one I promised you. This is Mary, right? Luke 2, 48 through 50. And, and let's go ahead and turn there. And, and you know kind of what I was, I, I've already shared a little bit. And so, you know, they're in a caravan. They've gone down to the temple. This is when Jesus is probably 11, 12 uh, years of age, and it's the only thing we have outside of the birth of Christ up until the beginning of His ministry uh, that's in Scripture. And so uh, what happens is they're traveling in a big caravan. They would have been with family. Because some of you, have, have you ever asked the question, uh, how bad were Joseph and Mary that they didn't know where their kid was for a couple days? Right? Right? What is the Hebrew form of DCS? Because they needed to be called here. Right? And so, wow, that was just a really bad joke. You're all like, who's calling DCS on, on Mary and Joseph? Pastor, what's wrong with you? But you get the point. Something's wrong here. No, 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 no. Often they would travel together as family, and so what would have happened is they would have assumed, have you ever done that? Right? The, the whole home alone thing, right? You get on the plane, and so all of a sudden you, you thought they, he was with this. Nope, not here. So they get out of the caravan, they head back to the temple, and what happens? Jesus is found teaching at the temple <laughs> at like age 11 or 12. And so, what does she say? Why have you treated us so? It's all about Mary. Why did you cause me so much worry? So, my mom, uh, Ellen Cook, um, you know, she, she grew up in the Midwest and, and uh, she had a strong German father and she was just a strong woman. And uh, I always related to her that way, just a strong woman. And so when I was about age 10, uh, my friend who lived across the street, uh, he got one of these things that you would mail away from the you know, back of a like, true detective magazine or something for a, uh, a, a fake gore kit. And so he said, hey man, let's put this all over your face. And, and make you look like you're really jacked up. 
And, and so, you know, we put on, it was horrible. It didn't look right at all. It looks like somebody threw up cottage cheese on my face. Not like an, a serious accident. But, you know, we did our best. And then we went to my front door and we're like, let's see if your mom buys it. And so, uh, so we, you know, we knock on the door and I'm leaning on him like this. And I've got fake vampire blood or whatever dripping like this. And my mom opens the door and she screams. And in that moment, yeah, my friend just ran. He just left me because, you know, he was scared of Ellen Cook and so was I. So now there's real blood hemorrhaging on this side of my head, right? I never could have imagined that she would have been that concerned. I kind of relate to Jesus. Do you not know that I'm going to throw on as a 10-year-old fake blood on the side of my head? It's what we're supposed to do, Mom. Why are you? And I don't know why she didn't have the same response Mary did. She didn't treasure that in her heart. No, I was grounded for a month. Dark days on Mother's Day. Dark memories. But Mary says what? Jesus responds to her and says, look, I've got to be about my father's business. And again, God shows Mary the larger picture in the midst of being incredibly stressed out. Moms, can I encourage you? Take from this message. When the, when the mutiny of the day seems to be overtaking you and you, you want to hit your head against a wall and it's all piling up, back up and realize God has gifted you this child. And God, just like He spoke in Jeremiah, He's consecrated times. Sit in that trust. Sit in that trust with with what God is doing. And find ways that when the stress adds up at the end of the day, you can just sit back for a moment. And husbands, give that mom of your children the opportunity to do this. To sit back and just kind of cherish the stress of life. Right? The craziness of it. It's a given. But find the beauty in the stress. And it'll help melt the stress away. So that you can say like Mary said, I'm going to treasure these things up in my heart. Jesus understood the stress and He spoke wisdom in the midst of it. Lastly, let's go right back to Mary. It's a mysterious mother. And so Jesus honors His his mother Mary. This is a scene at the cross. John 19. It says, when Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. Then He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into His home. So why do I label this mysterious? Here's why. Jesus had brothers. Jesus had sisters. Why are they not taking care of Mary? Because that would have been the, the, the Jewish tradition. The Hebrew tradition. And the family would have been looked down upon had they not taken care of Mary. And yet Jesus says, John, she is now your mother. Complicated, isn't it? Mysterious, isn't it? We don't know what happened with Mary. We have one more account with Mary. And it was right before Pentecost when all the apostles were gathered in the upper room praying, waiting waiting for the Holy Spirit. And it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was gathered there praying as well. 
she was with that ministry. Not all of Jesus' brothers or sisters are named. Only one actually is named that I'm aware of, and that's James. That became part of all that. And, and Scripture and tradition tells us that even James, who became a, a major figurehead in the early church, struggled against who Christ was. But it was at the resurrection and at Pentecost where that changed for his brother. So why Jesus goes to John, we don't know for sure. What we do take from the story is this. Life doesn't always hand you what you're looking for. Life doesn't always hand you what you're looking for, but be assured that Jesus will provide for you. Amen? Tradition says this, and I I use the specific word tradition, that, um, that John... Uh, took care of Mary till her dying days. And that uh, they went to what is now uh, Kadasi or Ephesus. And uh, she traveled with him all the way there. And, and the ministry opened up uh, in that region as well. And so Mary was very involved all the way to the end with wherever John was um, to a certain respect within tradition. So Jesus is honoring towards mothers, a weeping mother, a stressed mother, a mysterious mother. Let's Let's look at some matriarchs from uh, uh, Scripture that help us understand this a little bit better. That there's three Bible matriarchs I want to look at that are worthy of honor. Whereas we're looking at Jesus' attitude towards mothers, and what I really want you to glean from that, uh, ladies, is the idea that no matter what your circumstance is, lean on Jesus Christ. He honors you. He cares about you in the understanding and office and function of your motherhood. Now let's shift and let's look at how God honors those Bible matriarchs and those that have demonstrated honor and what that looks like so we have that example. The first one is Hannah, the matriarch of prayer and integrity. And we've already read from 1 Samuel 1.15 this morning, understanding that what happened with Hannah is that she desperately wanted to have a child. She prayed and she prayed and she labored in those prayers. So much so that her husband was really getting irritated with the process. So much so that the high priest was getting irritated with her and said, "Um, you shouldn't be drunk this early in the morning. I'm not drunk. I'm broken hearted. And she kept beseeching the Lord. I know that it would be foolish for me to say that all you have to do, gals, if, if this fits your situation today, is just cry out, just cry out to the Lord. Let me just be real clear. It doesn't always happen. It may happen. And you need to take the value of this message out of 1 Samuel and Hannah and see that part in process. Look, go back to Jeremiah. If he is consecrated, Before the creation of the world, things for Jeremiah, he's done that for you too. You have your own path. And for Hannah, it was to go through this to get this understanding and deep intimacy with God to have the deepest appreciation and understanding of this gift that he granted to her that she could then lend back to the Lord. You see how that was her story? He has a story for you. The question is, will you perform honorably in your consecrated story. So this morning we understand that it worked out well for her. Why? Because of prayer? Prayer 
but also she came through with what she said she was going to do. How hard would that be? How hard would that be? And let me just take a moment to pause here. This doesn't just apply. By, you know, seeing all these principles, these don't just apply to the gals in the room, do they, men? With our, in our own lives, but come back in mid-June and, and we'll be specific to you. We'll give away a lot of meat and bacon that day too. See, that's my effort to make sure the guys are still awake in the room. Okay. Thank you. Back there in the corner. That's great. Secondly, maybe this morning as we talk about this, and you, maybe you relate to Hannah. There are those here, there are those who are no longer here, and, and I will use that as an example of connection. Right? Many of us um, in the room know Becky and, and Stephen Morgan. They desperately wanted a child of their own. She cried out like Hannah cried out. How blessed were we? We're not even Stephen and Becky. How blessed were we to have CJ and London in our lives? Right? And if you know anything about the, the backstory for them, what a different life they have that again God consecrated. Folks, we need more people to step up to adopt kids. We need more people to step up to adopt kids. Pharaoh's daughter doesn't fit your typical Mother's Day message. But what would have happened to Moses had not Pharaoh's daughter been where she was? With the power, with the influence that God created ahead of time. I'm going to read this real quick. Exodus 2. You can turn there with me as well. It's towards the front of your Bible. And you, many of us know the story that Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, took Moses, put him in a wicker basket, and put him in the Nile River. Now I suspect that she didn't just turn him loose in the Nile River because she was watching. She stayed with the basket. And the decree had been sent out by the Pharaoh to kill all the boys of the Hebrews under age two, I believe. And so how ironic that God, with a sense of humor, would have the spokesperson, the Savior, typological Savior of His people be raised in the house of Pharaoh. Is that, that's just nutty, isn't it? That's just nutty. But had not the compassion and the desire to reach out, and by the way, I want you to hear this, she knows he's a Hebrew boy. So when I talk about divine intentionality and strength, you know what I'm speaking to. She's going against daddy's wishes. That doesn't go real well in the house of Egypt, does it, Hanny? Not like Hanny being daddy. I mean, I mean like, you don't go against Pharaoh, alright? You don't go against Pharaoh. I don't know, Marianne, maybe you'd have some other words on that. I, I don't know. Listen, it says this, Now a man from the house of Levi... Well, I'm in so much trouble. I need to go find a different job. Um, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child... 
she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, I found this strange child that just happens to be in the river that's probably Egyptian and I won't get in trouble for being a surrogate mom. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And the rest of the story is that Miriam actually got to take the child back to Moses' mother until he was weaned and then brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter and was raised in the house of Pharaoh for such a time to be prepared to lead God's people. Do you start to understand this statement in Jeremiah 1? Where God has instituted what He has for our lives and He will raise up a surrogate mother. God bless these surrogate mothers. Amen? And we can clap for that. So you have this idea of Pharaoh's daughter. She's a matriarch of divine intentionality. God was very intentional and He set her apart. And she demonstrated strength in the face of adversity. God honors that. God honored that. And then we see Mary. She's the matriarch of trust and confidence in Luke 2, 19-51. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's this idea of, of Mary saying that as she ponders and treasures these things in her heart, that she trusts God. She's thrust into motherhood. It is a circumstance that goes beyond all stress. It is a circumstance that goes beyond all things that she can possibly imagine. And yet, she turns the switch and she trusts God implicitly. Gals, I don't know what the challenges are. I don't know what challenges are happening with your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, whatever it would be but you carry burdens. Imagine being 13, 14 years old and carrying the burden of carrying the Messiah to term. You ever feel like you just don't know what you're doing as a mother? Think about what that must have been like for Mary. Right? Hmm, I'm the mother of Jesus Christ. Talk about doubting every move. And yet, what would she have had to have done on a daily basis? Keep going back to the Lord. Keep going back to the Lord. Keep trusting God because He set forward the path. See the larger scale of what happens and trust God. And He will what? He will honor you, ladies. He will honor you. Men, children, lend me your ears. That sounded like a speech from our, our, uh, our history. And ladies in the room, because we all have mothers. 
Or we all might know a mother who needs encouraging. Here's what I want to run you through in closing today. Here's the practical. So number one, we know, I want you, you moms to be encouraged. Jesus honors mothers. Then secondly, a matriarch worthy of honor is one that demonstrates prayer, one who demonstrates integrity, one who demonstrates um, this idea of strength and God's divine intentionality, and one who is worthy of honor is one who demonstrates trust, empirical trust in God. Now, what can we do to honor mom? Here you go. I got this straight off the internet. No, I didn't. Number one, and you guys can do this with the sticky notes, however you want to do this, but let's even do it today, shall we? Honor her with your mouth, your service, and your life. Take the time to make every effort to make her feel special and valued. It'll go a long way. Secondly, offer to help her constantly. Offer to help her constantly. Men, This is an area that we can come alongside our wives and let them know they're doing a great job. I have read somewhere that 102% of all mothers doubt their ability to be a good mother. You need to remind them what they're doing well. Be a coach in their life. Encourage them. N. Needs. She needs her family to recognize her work and service. All right? She needs her family to recognize. How many of you guys like certificates and awards at work or at school? None of you are raising your hands. You're so humble. It's incredible. I'll just let you know, I I loved it when I got that Presidential Physical Fitness Award at age 43. No. In, In junior high, right? Yeah. I actually sewed that on my gym shorts. And then when I got to school and somebody made fun, oh, oh, I just watched somebody go like this. Really? (laughs) I just watched somebody do it. And that took me back. I I felt junior high all over again right now in that moment. Oh, that was so hard to hear. I love this idea of recognition, right? Because that, that clamoring for recognition works and rails against your sense of failure. Our moms need to know that they do a good job. Find a way. Find a way to recognize that. Oh, you want to find a way to really make her feel appreciated? Organize time for encouragement. Organize some time for encouragement. So guys, today, I encourage you, do something special for her. Go out, take her on an event, right? You can take her to go golf, right? Maybe, maybe you want to go to Ed's and watch the game. Take her there, right? Or, <laughs> sweetheart, you're going to do great. This, this gal right down here, she's like, what is, what is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this guy? That's not how you make someone feel appreciated. Yes, you get the point. You get the point. You know the number one way I can honor my wife is let her have the remote when a Warriors game is on? It's weird. I don't know why. But if I can just let her have the remote while the Warriors game is on, she feels, she feels loved. 
so loved. I could have a bouquet of roses in this hand and the remote in the other, and she would choose the remote every time. And she loves flowers. Know how to honor her and organize some time to honor her. Amen? Lastly, this... Can I get an amen from the ladies? Okay, the ones that said it the loudest are the ones that need it right now. Okay? And, and here's another thing that I want to encourage you in in closing. Folks, look around, think about this in your own life. Who's out there that's a single mom? Who's doing this alone? You know what? If you're friends, if you're, if you're fairly tight with that person, offer to do something nice for her. Watch the kids. Give her, a, give her a time off where she can just go escape for an afternoon. Have some time off. You will bless her incredibly. Incredibly. Do it for your own wife. Do it for your own, own, own mom um, adults. Let them rest. They need their rest. And they're always going to feel like there's something what? There's something else that's got to be done. And sometimes... You got to just take them and sit them down and say, You do nothing for the next 30 minutes. No, for the next like four or five hours. Just rest. You need your rest. In closing this morning, my encouragement to you is husbands, flowers, and let her have the remote today. All right? Let her have the remote today. Whatever her remote is. And by the way, this doesn't just... Hallmark does this once a year. How often do we do it? We should be doing it daily. Amen? Let's close in prayer. This morning, if you have brought your offerings, we thank you for that. It is an offering to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is part of what we do in our spiritual worship, and I thank you for that. Uh, It's in the box on the left as you leave today. I'm going to pray over the offering as we leave as well. If you have any needs this week, please contact the office. Be praying for Lynn Redlick, who lost her mother this past week. And so I know many of us have been praying for that and for her. Um, And just know that I've been praying for many of you who have gone through that recently as well, um, and just the challenges of life. And I hope this message, give me some feedback later on. I I don't want to, I don't need to know if you thought it was good or not. I, I need to know whether or not you felt like God was in it, and if it worked right versus i don't ever want to hear a mother's day message ever again okay it it would be helpful for me to know but just understand as the church as god's living act of love to one another we want to honor mothers today because you do so much for us it is a holy and set apart function and privilege and honor And so we say thank You. Let me close in prayer. To You, Father, we give all glory. And as we have gathered today, I pray whether it is thinking about this idea of honoring your father and mother, or whether it is the walk away of seeing how Mary, in the midst of stressful circumstances, Father, she treasured those things up in her heart. For those who are weeping, for those that are stressed, for those that are tired, we pray that they understand that You know them. 
and that You seek to watch over them and You seek to provide for them. And as we do so, Father, we also encourage and admonish the mothers in the room that they would be those who God would honor that matriarch and do so because of things like prayer for their family and strength and integrity and trust. And that, Father, we in our efforts of edifying, which is what You asked us to do as the body of Christ to one another, that specifically when it comes to our mothers, that, that we do practice honor in, in varied ways, but ways that are felt and that have a, a deep resounding effect within uh, the moms in our life. Thank You, Father, for Your design and creation. We pray for healing within families. We pray for strength. And we pray for encouragement. We pray that we truly sense the call in our life to honor our mothers. To You be all glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.